The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In the sermon today, we begin to look at some of the consequences of sin in our lives. We want to go back to the book of Judges, and we want to examine the life of a man named Samson. Samson was the strongest man who ever lived, and his strength was a gift from God. He was chosen by God to be a deliverer of Israel when they were in bondage to the Philistines. But instead of using the gift that God gave him in a way that pleased the Lord, Samson squandered that gift on wine, women, and song. He was constantly looking for a party for the earthly pleasures of life, and ultimately it caught up with him. Ultimately, Samson experienced the blinding, binding, grinding effects of sin. If we're not careful, child of God, we also can experience the same thing Samson did. Join us today and tomorrow as we look at the blinding, binding, grinding effects of sin in our lives. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Oh, uh-huh. 
Judges chapter 16 and verse 21, we read this. And of course, this is the account of Samson. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. I want to talk to you tonight, if the Lord will help me, about the, the blinding, the binding, and the grinding effects of sin. We see here a story of a man who started out his life with great promise. In fact, his name, Samson, means sunny or sunlight. Uh, he was a child of light. He was a child of promise. He was a miraculous birth. He was one of the, I believe it's seven uh, barren women in the Bible. Uh, one of those seven barren women that bore children through a miraculous uh, uh, episode of the Holy Spirit uh, and was his mother. He, he, was, he was born of a barren woman through a miraculous birth. He was promised to deliver the nation of Israel. They had apostatized during the time of the judges and God would um, remove the hedge so that the Philistines or other peoples would come in and, and they would be uh, afflicted because of their sin. And in this particular case, we're told when in chapter 12, 13 rather that, uh, that the Philistines, they were delivered into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. And Samson was the one who was to deliver them or to begin delivering them from the Philistines. Samson had a great opportunity to serve the Lord. And of course you know the story of Samson. He was blessed of God. He, uh, at times we're told explicitly that the Spirit of God moved upon Samson. There are many uh, situations in the Bible where we can tell that the Spirit of God has moved upon somebody, but there's very few times when we're actually told explicitly, and the Spirit of God moved upon someone. Well, here in Samson's case, at least three times we're told that the Spirit of God moved upon him. He was a great, strong, he was the strongest man that ever lived. And by the way, one of the, one of the things we can learn from Samson is that if, if he was the strongest man that ever lived, and even he failed. <laughs> Even he failed. It would take one stronger than Samson to deliver us from our sins. Amen. But in Samson's case, as he began to live his life out, he began to squander the uh, opportunities and the blessings that God had given him. And we find in verse 21 that at the end of his life, as his life is almost over, his service to God is nearly complete, that the Philistines had blinded him and they had bound him and his job was now to grind in the prison house. Oh, the blinding and the binding and the grinding effects of sin in our lives. You see, sin has a blinding effect. It, uh, in this case of Samson, he was blind. Uh, he was blinded by sin. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, we read that uh, the Apostle Paul says that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. <laughs> he goes on to talk about some things we need to do. That word sleep is the Greek word hypnos, which sounds a lot like a modern uh, American word, English word that we call hypnosis, hypnotize. That's the same word that we get hypnotized from. 
And, and the idea here is that we need to wake up. It's not waking up from death unto life, you know. Uh, dead people don't wake up. <laughs> dead people, if they, if they do come back to life, they have to be resurrected or raised. Uh, but someone who's asleep can wake up. And he says, it's high time that we wake up out of our sleep. The slumber of sin, the slumber of apathy, the slumber of, uh, of this world that this world puts upon us. We need to wake up from that. Samson was literally hypnotized by the world. Uh, the background of his sin, as we said, is clear. In the 14th chapter, you don't have to, we don't have time to go to each one in particular, but in the 14th chapter, we see that Samson saw the beauty of the world. He saw a woman uh, in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Timnath was enemy territory. Uh, and he, he went down into enemy territory, and, uh, and he saw a woman down there. And, and I'll tell you, beloved, let me, just, let me just caution you. Don't go down into enemy territory. Uh, you'll end up captivated down there and captured by someone if you don't watch it. But he went down into enemy territory and he, and he fell in love, or in lust at least, with a woman in Timnath who was, who was of the daughters of the Philistines. As he, as he wooed her and courted her, he went back to his parents and said, Get her to me for wife. Um, you know, uh, Samson's purpose in life was to destroy the Philistine yoke that had been placed upon the neck of Israel. That was his purpose in life. But instead of going to war, Samson went down to a wedding. He should have been going to war instead of going to a wedding. But no, he wanted to marry the Philistine woman instead of destroying the yoke that the Philistines had placed upon him. He saw the vineyards of Timnath. He saw the bounty of the world. Uh, he, uh, he, saw, he went down there and participated in the, in the customs of that country. They threw a big party. They had a, had a big time where they had... He, he didn't have 30 friends that would go down there with him. I don't know if he had 30 friends in Israel or not. But if he had some friends in Israel, they refused to go down there with him. They had to drum up 30 friends down there of the Philistines and bring, him, bring them to the, to the party. And... Uh, and, and then he, he, he started telling jokes and riddles. It was all fun and games for Samson down in enemy territory. And you know, that's the way it'll be for a while. That's the way it is for a little while. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But the fun and games end. And you know, Samson, as I said, was a child of promise. He was to be a Nazarite from his mother's womb. Yeah. You know, there was another person that we read about in a very similar vein. His name was John the Baptist. <laughs> his name was John the Baptist. He was essentially a Nazarite from his mother's womb as well. John the Baptist went on to fulfill a great, uh, a great duty uh, in ushering in the kingdom of God, the church kingdom. But Samson neglected those vows. In fact, they were only really... A Nazarite is one who is separated. That's what the word Nazarite means, just someone who is separated. And there were three separations that were necessary to be a Nazarite. You had to be separate. You had to be separated from the vine. You had to be separated from the razor. And you had to be separated from the dead. And guess what? Samson violated all three of those requirements. All three of them. He, he went down into the vineyards... His mother was told, you're not to partake of anything that came from a vineyard. And, and, and she did that, and Samson was to avoid it. But he went down into the vineyards. He likely partook of the alcohol that was at these drunken parties that were thrown. He went down into the dead body of a lion after he slew it, and he dipped out honey out of the carcass of a dead lion, which is just about as gross as I can think of. 
And he also went down to Delilah, who cut his hair. These three separations, he should have been diligent to protect his separate status. But instead, he violated all three of them. Samson was blind to the effect that sin had upon him. Well, let me tell you something, child of God. Sin will blind you to its effects upon you. Over the book of Revelation, the third chapter, Paul, or John rather, is, uh, is writing down uh, a letter to seven churches. And the seventh church is the church at Laodicea. And in verse 14, we find that this letter to Laodicea is written by God. And he says in verse 15 to Laodicea, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that there were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, why is it? What is it that's really offending God here? Look at verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You know, that's, that's how they saw themselves in Laodicea. They said, we're doing great as a church. You know, that's amazing to me. There are times in my life and in my career even where I, I talk to people and they'll say things like, man, you know, they'll be right on the precipice of destruction. And they'll say, man, things are going great. It's awesome around here. And, and they're just about to be arrested. <laughs> or they're just about to be prosecuted. Or they're just about to experience some kind of complete uh, destruction in their lives. Whether it's uh, business-wise or whether it's career-wise or whether it's in their families. You know, I can think of so many times when a, a family has broken up. Uh, and, and one party or the other, the husband or the wife, either one had no idea what was going on with the other one. The other party may have been committing adultery for a long time, and one party's oblivious to it. Now, that's not necessarily that party's fault, but this, it's the same idea, is that they are oblivious to what's really going on in their church. They say, we are increased with goods, we're rich, we don't need anything. God forbid we ever get to that point at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. God help us never to get to the point where we say, boy, we are just, we have made it. We are where we need to be. And, and God says they're in a position of thinking they have everything, but they, he said, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Yeah. What a horrible state to be in. What a terrible position to be in. But beloved, sin will lead you to this position. The Laodiceans were in sin. They were not right with God. They were not, uh, their hearts were not right with God. Now, I, I know what the world means when they say that. They means, that means somebody's going to hell. That's not what this means. That's not what God means when he says that to, uh, or Paul, Peter meant when he said that to uh, uh, the uh, sorcerer over there. But I'll tell you, beloved, sometimes as children of God, our hearts can be not right with God. And oftentimes when it, we get in that position, if we let it go on long enough, sin will blind you to the problems that you have in your life. Proverbs tells us there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes. Uh, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. <laughs> I've been there. I'm sorry to say. I have to confess to you because I'm the preacher, but if you'll think about it and be honest with yourselves, you'll have to confess it too. There have been times when you thought that you were pure in your own eyes, but yet there was filthiness in your life. There was problems somewhere in your life. That is what happens when sin comes along. Think about Lot. Think about Lot. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. 
And we're told that Lot was a righteous man. But he got so desensitized to sin. He woke up every day. You think about what Lot saw every day. Every day when Lot woke up and walked out the door of his tent, what did he see? Sodom. He saw Sodom. You know, I think about people that dwell in, in countries where some sort of terrible, you know, I, I've been reading somewhat about over in Afghanistan and other places like that, that child trafficking is, is just a common thing. It's just the norm over there in that area. Can you imagine opening up your doors every day and the view you see is Sodom? Now, I understand that from a distance, Sodom probably looked really good. You know, we, we see that in the 13th chapter of Genesis that Lot looked down upon the plain of Sodom and it looked enticing to him. And it was probably kind of enticing too because Sodom apparently was a, an established city. There were a lot of people there. There's a lot of uh, luxuries there that they didn't have other places. But every day when he opened his door, some point during his day, he saw the sin of Sodom. What a terrible place to be. You know, it's possible to play around with sin until you're so far removed from God that you don't even realize it. Think about what happened to Samson. He was blind to his true condition. Look back in verse 20. After she made him sleep on her knees and they cut his hair, she said in verse 20, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I'll go out as at other times before and shake myself. He didn't think anything had changed. He thought, I'm okay. Everything's fine with me. But he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Now, I don't think I have to take the time to explain this too much to you guys here at this church because I think you understand that that doesn't mean the Lord abandoned him to hell. Uh, that doesn't mean the Lord abandoned him eternally. But that does mean that that power and that comfort and that fellowship that he had experienced when the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him at times had gone from him. You know, there's times I feel so close to God. There, I know that I'm in the hands of the Lord. I know that I'm not going to be cast out of the Lord's hand. But there are times I feel that stronger than others. And I'll tell you, when I feel it, it's when I'm walking close to Him. As Brother Neil painted that picture for us during our annual meeting so vividly about holding his daughter's hand as he's walking along. He's got her hand, but occasionally you have to look down at her and say, hold my hand. <laughs> he's got her and he's not going to let go, but he, wants to, he wanted to feel her holding on to his hand. And beloved, there are times, I know the Lord has got me in His hand, but there are times I need to be clinging to God a lot stronger than I am. And when I do, I feel close to him. Now think about what had happened here with Samson. He had played around with women before. He'd known several women in his life. He'd gone uh, married one, and, uh, and, and he thought he knew how to play their games. <laughs> what a foolish man he was here with this wicked woman. He told, he told her as she continued to press him, Delilah here, who was a master manipulator. <laughs> he, she finally, uh, let, me, let me just say to you, young men, there's nothing better than a good woman. And there's nothing worse than a bad woman. Now, I can flip that right around. I'm not just picking on you ladies. There's nothing better than a good man. And there's nothing worse than a bad one, you young ladies, okay? But here we're talking about a woman who was a master manipulator. And notice what had happened to Samson. Think about how blind and foolish this man was. Okay, he said, well, okay, I'll tell you my secret. You bind me with green vines and I'll be weak as other men. And she said, okay, relax, take a little nap. 
my love. And the next thing you know, the Philistines are there. And tried to, when he awoke, he was bound with green vines. <laughs> then he says, oh, well, no, I was just kidding around. You tie me with new ropes. <laughs> and that'll take away my strength. She said, oh, sweetheart, relax and take a nap. And he woke up. He was tied with new ropes. <laughs> then he said, okay, I'm telling you the truth now. You weave the locks of my hair into a loom, and that'll take away my strength. She says, oh, I love you so much. Take a nap here on my knees. And he woke up, and his locks were woven into the loom. Then he finally says, cut my hair. <laughs> cut my hair, and that gets, that'll take my strength. He finally tells her the real secret. And what does she say? She says, oh, you relax and go to sleep on my knees. <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> How stupid can you be? He's, everything he's told her, she's done, and now he's finally told her the secret. You know, even if in a, in a moment of weakness that I had said, yeah, cut my hair, uh, and then she says, go to sleep, I'm going to be looking at What are you talking about, woman? <laughs> I'm getting out of there. You know, I'm leaving. But he was so blind by sin that he is about to be destroyed, and he doesn't even realize it. Sin has a blinding effect on our lives. And then sin has a binding effect. You notice the Philistines put out his eyes, and then they bound him with fetters of brass and took him down to Gaza. Samson was in bondage, literally in bondage, as a result of his sinful path of life. Beloved, I want to tell you something. God is long-suffering, but you can only spit in His face for so long and reject His blessings before He will withdraw His providential protections from you. Now, don't, I'm not saying that to, to... I want you to understand God never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always with us. That song said God leads us along. He never forsakes us uh, eternally. But there are times He will leave us to our own devices and the consequences of our sins if we just keep going long enough. I've known many people who every time the Lord gives them a blessing, they turn around and they, they spit in His face. They'll accept the blessing and they'll thank Him for it then they'll do something else. Beloved, it ought not so to be. In John chapter 8, verse 30, 31 rather, Jesus is talking to these Jews. He says he's to some Jews that believed on him. And he says, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, there were several Jews there that were offended apparently by that, or didn't understand it at least. And they said in verse 33, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage, to any man. So how sayest thou you shall be made free? Now here's what Jesus tells them, and it's true still today. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Now listen to what he's saying. That word servant there could also is easily be translated as slave. It's the same word for slave. He said, whoever commits sin is the slave of sin. Those who commit sin are in bondage to it. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 2.19, For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. There is bondage in sin. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here.
but please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.